everybody and welcome to episode 258 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Phoenix Sapphire, Chief Archivist of Lave Station, otherwise known as Colin Ford, and um, with me uh, in the Orange Sidewinder Bar for this episode, we do have our Deputy Trade Attaché, Commander Souverine. What up? We have our uh, Inhuman Resources Director, Commander Shan. Hello. And welcome back to Captain Innuendo, Head of Health and Safety, Commander Aid Levice. That's Ben Moss Woodward. I've got a big stick. <laughs> Just why? And I'm not afraid to use it. Why? If you wish, you can join us live. We're not hanging out in-game. Um, although I think I'm actually flying around in Maya trying to find this this sparkly um, Thargoid. So good luck trying to find me. Um, Is this but, the one that runs away? Yes. I've got to see whether I can catch it. Um, but if you can't get to us... Um, we are also live on the Twitch chat channel, which you can access through laveradio.com slash live and clicking on the live chat, or just go straight to Twitch TV slash laveradio. And a quick hello to everybody who's in in the chat room already calling me old. Very, very old. <laughs> so you're a model T Ford, are you? Yeah, and you make, they're making me feel it. Which, or are you an Edsel? No, I don't think any, anybody can be that ugly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll quickly go around the team, see what they've been up to for the last week or so. So we'll start with Commander Souverine. Uh, what have I been up to? I have been very, very busy doing stuff for uh, our new magazine, which Alan and I and a few other people have been working on, which I'll talk a bit more about later. Um, but we've uh, we've been crazy busy because we're, we're going live with issue one this week. So we've been madly editing and um, and uh, polishing off issue one, um, which is all signed off and ready to go. Um, and apart from Excellent. that, I've been um, not much has been going on really. I've, st- I've been playing a bit more No Man's Sky, which I'm streaming this evening. Um, so yeah, not 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 nothing too crazy this week. Nothing too crazy. That's that's good to know. Um, okay, Commander Shan, how have you been? I've not been doing too badly. Uh, what have I been up to today? In game, I have been uh, seeing what all the fuss is about uh, with Paynite mining. Mm. Um, it's okay as a source of money. It's probably a little bit more satisfying than void opal mining because you get more rocks per hour. 
Although, due to the set of BGS getting a decent price for Pay Night at the moment is somewhat more difficult. Um, so, yeah, um, it's, it's good to pass the time. Uh, as of game, what have I been doing? Um, we've had all the mini shands back in the house from their various camping trips. So, the inside of the house now looks like a um, branch of go outdoors because, of course, they didn't air their tents out or anything like that. In yeah, I see. Uh, so yeah, a bit of a smelly house at the moment, then damp smelling. I mean, we've now managed to move it into the garage or most of it, but it was just this. I don't know why people think camping is, is is a lightweight holiday. It's just not. By the time you've packed all your stuff up, it's much better just to go to a hotel because all you need is a psycho suitcase for a hotel with all, without everything else. So, yeah, give me a hotel. Yeah. Um, Commander Arshenbaust is complaining that there is nobody around Lave Station at the moment. Um, sorry about that. Um, but if anybody would like to go there and keep in company, feel free. We have uh, good excuses for why we're not there this evening, though. I, I suppose uh, so. Norman, instead of showing your video, do you want to show what everyone else is doing too, buddy? Sure, no problems. <laughs> yeah. We have, we so, have good, good excuses. Sorry, were you going to say something? Yes, I was going to ask, what have you been up to for the last... Well, three Once. weeks while you've been skiving, skiving off. Uh, I've been... Uh, let's just leave it as I, I've been on holiday and ah. being being a daddy and um, playing various... Um, what are they called again? Games. P- playing yeah. various games with my children, yes. Uh, nice. Like Hunt the Camel. Hunt the camel. Um, and dodge the... I've not heard it called that before. Uh, oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> dodge, the, dodge the jihadist. Yeah, that was not the favourite one. Uh, so that was the wife who was wanting to play dodge the jihadist. I'm very sorry for your children. <laughs> now, basically I was on holiday and uh, in, in Tunisia and the wife, when we were walking around outside the hotel, felt... Mm-hmm apprehensive about it, shall we say? Yep. Um, I didn't feel at all apprehensive. I felt this, you know, walking around outside the hotel is actually less dubious than walking around Rotherham. Rotherham. And I don't think that's saying a lot. So, how do you spot a jihadist? Because surely if you could kind of spot them easily, the Americans and the coalition forces would have cottoned on to the fact jihadists. Or, or is it like a, a spotter's guide to jihadists or something? <laughs> I don't know, but the, the wife was just basically getting super paranoid um, about these kind of things. I, I, that's, that's my suspicion. Because, you know, I felt this place felt fine. You know, you had groups of, of Muslims sitting outside drinking cups of coffee. Oh, that, that's scary, yeah, isn't it? Exact, frankly, that is better to see than a bunch of pissheads standing outside the pub in Rotherham smoking a fag. Just saying. And uh, now we will get bombarded with complaints over Ben's holiday descriptions of going to a different country with a different culture. No, it's, I, was, I was being open and, and all that kind of stuff. It was just 
the wife was just feeling apprehensive about things. Um, I loved it. I mean, I, I went into a lot of the shops outside. They had a be- couple of beautiful, beautiful uh, pizza restaurants. I got six 12-inch uh, pizzas for, for 12 quid, which I thought was a bargain. And they were, these were proper wood um, wood oven pizzas that were, they were absolutely lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally while walking around one night... We did see a, a camel just walk through town. Don't ask me why, but there was a camel just walking through the middle of town. There's a joke about that one somewhere. There must be. <laughs> Probably is, yes. Um, so, in-game, I've been... I was... Oh. In-game over the weekend, I was doing stuff with Paladin Consortium. And they had an event which was basically Sidewinders versus Eagles. So it's like everybody gets into a stock sidewinder or a stock eagle, and when you die, swap over. And that was a lot of that was a lot of fun, and that then devolved into, hey Ben, get into a stock type nine, kit it out with turreted pulse lasers, and then come out. We won't attack you, honest. Uh, right. And I was like flying out of the station, surrounded like with these like twenty other sidewinders, eagles behind me. And then when we got about 20k away, they all opened up on me, which really wasn't a surprise. Oh. Um, that, 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 yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, was good, fun was had by all on that, that evening. Uh, apart from that, I've been playing that. some more Elite. Uh, I was doing some Warzone stuff. And I've been playing some Grand Theft Auto 3, which I actually originally started playing on my tablet when I was on holiday. Uh, yeah, it's funny that it PC. It's when whenever I'm on a holiday and I don't have my laptop with me, I always end up playing Baldur's Gate on the on the uh, on the iPad. I still yeah. haven't completed it. They're <laughs> mm-hmm. remaking yeah. it, aren't they? No, they're making Baldur's Gate three. Ooh, which is supposed <laughs> to be under that new Stadia platform. That's Larian Studios, isn't it? The, um, the, the guys who made Divinity. That's that's the Google equivalent of um, sort of cloud gaming. Oh, is that the Google uh, Lumberjack or whatever it is? No, yeah. no, it's the Google version of Shadow Tech. Well, it's slightly oh. different from Shadow Tech, but it's the sa- same premise. So it's streaming. It's Lumberjack okay, so is their game engine. Um, Stadia right. is is basically pay a subscription and pay any game on any screen. Uh, and mm-hmm. they do the number crunching their end, and they just screen and they just stream the the image to you. Okay, so it's a lot like Shadow Tech. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's that's about what we've been up to, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, let's see. Um, uh, well, I started a new job this week, which has led to a a vast increase in the amount of exercise which I've, I'm having to do, uh, and. On top of that, in Elite, I finally reached the heady ranks of Deadly. Hey! I managed to shoot a lot of scouts. Is that Deadly uh, to yourself or other players? No, just to Thargoid scouts, I'm afraid to say. Uh, But I then travelled all the way back to the Pleiades, where I'm now going hunting for this missing, this weird Thargoid. Uh, I'm not quite so sure whether it's still in the game, actually. A lot of people haven't seen it for a, for a little while. So I bet they've taken it out. I bet you anything. Well, you'd think it was just in for a, a couple of days. 
I reckon it was a mistake and uh, Frontier <laughs> and Frontier immediately put the cosh on it. Oh, you negative ninny. <laughs> That's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it, you know, it, but, but by appearance, it, it certainly didn't look like a finished, polished feature that they were ready to unveil to the community. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if they just uh, took it out of the game and, and will it reintroduce it when it's all, you know, when it's all finished. I'm Maybe it's like the Thargoid equivalent of the Flying Dutchman. Mm. <laughs> I must admit, I'm flying around Mayor at the moment, and there's an awful lot of conflict zones around here. Hmm. Human conflict zones, or human alien? conflict zones? Yeah. yeah, that's that's one thing that um, the Anti-Xeno Initiative have commented on. That it's now been sort of almost a month uh, without any Thargoid. Um, combat zones or Thargoid takeovers uh, since the Enclave event. So even the Eagle Eye Network is still pointing to the same six systems as it has been for the last, um, you know, last four weeks. So everyone's getting a little bit of, where do where, where have they all gone? It's because we kicked their asses so decisively, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's, it's causing problems because there's not enough, not enough anti-Thargoid stuff to keep people interested. Hmm. Which does lead me to the observation that, um, well, we may have shot our, our bolts last week because we had three important bits of news and we've only got one tiny bit of news. Well, it's important to someone, but um, this new, this week, the only thing that we can talk about is that um, one of the forum moderators, um, community managers, Brett C., is unfortunately leaving. Now, I haven't had much chance to talk to Brett C. I do believe, was he late on this show? He was at Frontier Expo, um, and I know I definitely spoke to him at Frontier Expo, and mm. I know you were there. don't know if you spoke to him or not. No, but then again, I did talk to a lot of people who I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I wasn't even drinking, which is really worrying. Maybe maybe it's the, the oh, dimension. It's because you're getting old, to... Colin. Do yes. you think? Before Brett goes, we'll we'll find out what the C stands for. <laughs> what charming you mean? Mm, I doubt it. Who knows? I thought I thought it was Brett the uh, nut. <laughs> oh, I I think we should I think we should know I think we should know what the C stands for. What what was Brett? It might be his middle name actually. It might be Brett Charles or something like that. <laughs> well, Brett's been with uh, the company for five years after starting out as a, a volunteer moderator on the forums. So um, He's been involved in Frontier stuff for, like, since Planet Co- not Planet Coaster Today, since Roller Coaster Tycoon. Yeah, Tyke that game. That game, he's, yes. Um, he's not based in Cambridge, is he? No, he's in no, America. He's based in America. He's, oh, I wonder he's based in Canada or something. Uh, Somewhere in America, but I don't know where. Canada's not America, Ben. You just not only have I you just offended Arabic nations yeah. this stream, you also offended every single Canadian. Um, um, uh, hang on, hang no, on. I'm, I'm no, saying no, I don't no. think he's in Canada. Is, sorry, Canada is in America, not to be mistaken from the United States of America, but they mm. are in the North American continent. Mm. Just to be pedantic. So he technically is in America, just not in the United States of America. 
But anyway, I wonder who they're recruiting. Because presumably they're going to have a they're going to have a gap then for an American CM to attend all the uh, American. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they. Um, like. Wouldn't surprise me if they tried to recruit a couple more CMs actually, especially in America. Or do you think honestly, Will will spend most of his time on a plane? I honestly don't think they will. I think no. they'll just use shifts and have British CMs and then fly people over to America for events as they need them. Because I think Brett basically worked from home. Huh. Um, but what worries, what concerns me more about Brett leaving is he was basically in charge of forums and everything like that. And I, I hope they've got somebody to replace him. Because otherwise oh, we just have to blame TJ all the time. Well, maybe it is TJ. Maybe it is TJ. Maybe TJ will become the new Brett. <laughs> and just blame Cooper. Coops, sorry. Just blame Coops. God, there are so many um, planets in Maya. I'm having... Oh. You could always scan the nav beacon and get them all. Yeah. Actually, I found scanning the nav beacon doesn't give you... You still end up having to scan the... Yeah, uh, using the FSS scanner. I'm sure of it. I think you got to get the. Oh damn! I lost. It should give you at least all the planets, if not all the other faff. Hmm. Well, I'm not interested in, this, in the signal sources at the moment. Hmm. Actually, you know, I'm going to put that to the test, Shan. I'm going to. I'll head over there and see whether or not it populates the rest of uh, these signal sources. Of these uh, planets I've got. That should be an interesting one. And uh, knowing my luck, someone will probably um, shoot me while I do that. Mm. So, um, after covering the vast amount of uh, news that we've got this week, um, it kind of left us in a bit of the doldrums. So, what we thought we'd do is we would... (laughs) Sorry, Colin. I'm just... So, ePilot007. Dad, can you tell me what solar eclipse is? No sun. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. See, that was too delayed. Thank that. you for shedding light on that joke, Ben. <sighs> oh, dear God. Yeah. Ben, we, we, we haven't missed you. That's right. I, I haven't missed the beer. <laughs> no, it reminds me I've got to get rid of my Dyson. After all, it's just collecting dust. No. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that joke sucked. <laughs> Thank you, Tim Vine. Anyway. Yeah, that's it, Ben. Just pipe up and. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> a joke so bad, the steam froze, says Commander Lennon. By the way, Commander Lynn, a friend of mine always wanted to be run over by a steam train. When it happened, he was chuffed to bits. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> oh, now you've got to... You see, this is what happens. We end up being so bored that um, we started to look at other games uh, just to compare them to see what's out there and if it, if these things do anything better than, than Elite does. 
um, and what Elite could possibly learn for them. So at the moment we have uh, Ben and he is playing pool. Yeah. In a game to do with spaceships? No, no, I know what this is. I know what this is. I know what this is. This is (laughs) Ben. This is Ben playing pool, which reminds us you want to land on water worlds. (laughs) <laughs> fair enough yeah I can, I can accept that yes uh, so but I do believe that is um, what Rebel Galaxy Outlaw that you're looking yeah. at there right so, I'm glad someone's just, actually looked at that game I just thought I'd confuse the listeners by playing pool instead of actually flying a spaceship well I suppose it's got spheres in it hasn't it yeah it's all, all to do with me- orbital mechanics and stuff and uh, you know you remember the Red Dwarf episode Yes. Uh, playing pl- planetary pool. That was planetary pool. One of my favourite ones. Yeah. It's uh, cheating, though. It's got a little white line. With yeah, I know. Yeah. That, that is ridiculous. It, oh. And I'm still losing. So, as uh, we, so, therefore, we can all come to the conclusion that Ben is no good with his balls. Yeah, I just got one thing. No, he didn't. I saw that. Yes, just I did. In the pocket. I just got my blue ball in. I remember seeing quite a cool attachment for a pool cue a few years ago, and it's a little um, laser sight you put on the end oh. of the pool, and it shines like a, the red dot where the ball is going to hit, so you can then work out mm-hmm. the angles from that. So oh. like a, that's that is so cheating. Yeah. And that's actually this game all over, to be honest. But cheating. In many respects, yes. Um, This Rebel Galaxy Outlaws definitely more aimed at being... It's definitely a lot more casual, shall we say, than Elite Dangerous is. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, we'll go into more detail in that in just a minute. But um, as, as... People are quite observant. You can see Silverine is there with, um, I do believe, the opening screen for No Man's Sky. I don't know why it's the opening screen. I'm not on the loading screen. I'm I'm in game proper. Um, I don't know why it's not showing that. It looks like it's frozen from before but before I loaded up the game. Um, oh, so maybe may, maybe talk to the others and me and Venture are all sorted out behind the scenes. Right. Okay. So. Um... Well, my navigation's beacon has now scanned, and if I go to the come out and go to the FFS scanner again, we'll see what happens. But in the meantime, Ben, um, so give us an overview of what Rebel Galaxy Outlaw is. I mean, is it the new freelancer? I wouldn't know because I've not played freelancer. What? How I know. can you be a space sim addict and not have had freelancer inflicted on you? Because I basically I wasn't really the only game I was playing really when Freelancer came out was World of Warcraft. It's, Freelancer came out in round about two thousand. Okay, um, what was I doing two thousand? Oh, on two thousand, I was on I was on Mac. So that's probably why. Oh, that's probably why there, because I guess it didn't come out on the Mac. Uh, Freelancer did not come out of the Mac, no. It was yeah. it was run by... Microsoft Studios, Microsoft, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was playing 
the only space game really I played around then was a game called uh, Station Terminus, which I do think is actually one of my favorite space games of all time. Uh, it's got a real... Terminus has got a real Newtonian physics plus a good flight computer that you can turn off. Mm. Um, but anyway, we're not, we're not talking about Station Terminus, I'm talking about Rebel Galaxy. One of the key things about Rebel Galaxy that I like is it's got a really nicely voiced um, mission system and everything like that. Mm-hmm. It actually does have... It's got proper... I'm, I'm now flying. Um, it's a bit like No Man's Sky in that you do press E to land and E to jump to another sec- sector and things like that. Um, but you can turn a lot of that off. You've got... It's got multiple ways of actually jumping to a destination, which I quite like, actually. Uh, it wouldn't work for multiplayer, but because it's a single-player game, that's not an issue. In that you can basically instantly jump to your destination with an RNGesus chance of finding something interesting en route, shall we say. Ooh, um, or you can go into what's a bit like Super Cruise and fly at an FTL rate in a straight line and only in a straight line. Right. Um, so is there like lots of staring at stars like in there isn't super cruise in elite or is it more of a interactive? It's a lot more interactive. It's a lot more interactive. Um, it's a lot more story driven than elite is. Uh, and that's one of, that's the key reason actually why I got it. Cause this is actually the thing I miss about elite is, not really having a rich and meaningful story, unless you want. Oh no, they've cancelled Garnet too. Um, but it was never this, about a story, though, was it? It wasn't, but I've always enjoyed having a decent story, though. And the fact that Elite was never around about the story doesn't negate the fact that having a good story is 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 good in games. Yeah. Oh, You're right, not, that Elite doesn't need it, but it, it doesn't scratch the itch. It, it doesn't stop the itch doing this. It's different, though, because one of the things that bugged me about MMOs and the main quests in MMOs is everyone does it. Everyone has the same story. There's, you know, there's just no specialness about the journey because you can just look at how to do it on Wiki. Yeah, and I agree with that. Totally. Knock yourself out. So I, I, can see the, I can see the idea of having a having a, a story in, in a game, and I completely agree with it. I just think that with Elite, it would detract. Now, one thing Frontier did talk about was the idea of having a nemesis. Do you remember that? Yeah, brilliant idea. Yep. Uh, and I just kind of, I like that idea as if you've got, if you've blown up a particular ship too many times or you've cheesed off a faction too much, they will actually come after you properly. And it just seemed to, Dropped by the wayside for some, you know. Just ah, it was, it was sad. I would, if you I would have, have a nemesis, nemesis and you kill them, one of your nemesis, do they actually die? Die or do they just keep being your nemesis forevermore? Well, it would be like in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series with Arthur Dent and the uh, and the guy he kept accidentally killing. <laughs> remember, across multiple lives. Yeah, so we like that. It was some unpronounceable yeah. name yeah. the character was, but yeah, um, I, I, I do like the idea of having someone who's actually out to get you, and 
there was something like it in the game, but it didn't survive very long, you know, where you would actually get pilots and or um, NPCs that actually recognised your ship and recognised mm-hmm. your faction would come mm-hmm. after you, but it seemed to have gone by the wayside. Okay. That's a bit of a shame then, yeah. Um, but anyway, storyline. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it, it does kind of need it does need something like that, but I'm not sure how you make it unique enough. Well, that, hold is, your, oh, go on, Sean. Sorry, I was going to say hold your glasses because um, when <laughs> before Guild Wars Two came out, <laughs> they they no, this is, we're talking about comparison with other games and what we can learn from them. So, but when when Guild Wars Two came out, they pushed quite heavily the idea of a personal story in that um, what you did had lasting consequences for your character and what it saw in the game. So, for example, there's an early mission if you played a human character where you make a choice. You either choose to save an orphanage mm-hmm. or, you, or you choose to save a hospital. Yes. And depending on what you saved... In your like home instance, in your you know the, the, in your base and stuff like that, you would see different buildings and characters would react differently to you, to what you chose. Right. Uh, right. And there were other parts as well where if you took a certain path, you would get different missions, and again, stuff would react differently to you. Uh, so it's almost like a branching storyline. But then after a while, because of the necessity to have a, if you like, a unified end boss fight an end boss campaign, no matter what you did, they all merged into a single track again. So it was up to sort of about level 30, I think, where it was all different and wonderful, and then they just merged and carried on. So it didn't quite live up to the hype, but, and again, it was the same for everyone, depending on what options you chose. But as far as an attempt, it wasn't bad. Yeah, I know, because um, they tried this in SOTOR, you know, um, Star Wars The Old Republic, where they sort of said they were bringing story to uh, an MMO. And it came back to, <laughs> I mean, David Braben made this point when he, he said the reason why there isn't a story, uh, a personal narrative story for players to follow in the game. Because basically he sort of said it's like um, everybody rescuing the princess because once you've got everyone's got a princess and they've gone through the same process of rescuing the princess, the princess means nothing. Yeah, they devalue and, it. And that is how I felt about every single story MMO uh, from um, DCU Online, Neverwinter, and and World of Warcraft. The whole lot of them, because it, it, it's not a sandbox, it 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 feels like you're just doing the same thing as everybody else. And, and that, to me, is is that's one of the reasons why I prefer Elite because I'm not a hero. I'm just a, a someone stuck in a, in a spaceship uh, trying to get through. And that's sort of the refreshing aspect because when you start off, even if you get you know a fairly healthy credit balance and probably you're still a nobody. You know, you're you're a worm. You're a complete pleb, and that's what I like about you. You're not the dragonborn or anything like that. You are the pleb, and I yeah, like yeah. that. And I like that aspect of it. It's quite refreshing not to be the Luke Skywalker or someone like that. It, 
You are the insignificantly small dot on an insignificantly small dot with a little sign saying you are here. <laughs> <laughs> there's there is a bit of a trend in game in, in games to to recognize this. Like when Destiny first released, they had a um uh the 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 story campaign was you are the chosen one, only you can free everybody from the bad thing. Um and um despite the fact that within a couple of hours all the players were in the social area and you were toe to toe with loads of other chosen ones. Um, and it, I think it took, I think it took a few years for MMOs to, to realize that that was, that was really discombobulating for players. And, um, and, and you not, we can't all be the dragonborn. Um, and in, in later years, destiny have started writing their scripts slightly differently. And now it's, you are one of the chosen ones or you are a hero. Um, and, um, and then there was Outward, the uh, the RPG, the sort of, I guess, the Elder Scrolls Lite game that came out earlier this year or last year, which was, um, which is like a, um, it's sort of an adventure game, like an action RPG in a fantasy land. But you are a complete nobody, a total nobody. You can have your you can have your entire career completely scuppered by like meeting two wolves, um, which is which is really refreshing as well. So I don't I don't think it's unique to Elite that kind of you're a nobody. I think it, I think elite were, were amongst the first to realize that players were getting a bit sick of being anointed the chosen one all the time, especially in, a, in, a, in an online multiplayer game. Well, because on a single player, you don't care, do you? No, you no single really player. You the hero, whatever. It's just when everyone else has got it. Stephen Usher uh, in chat um, said, surely squadron carriers start to erode that you're a nothing um, feeling. Yeah, okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure because I think they'll be more common than people think. I, I think they'll. Well, you I see, think they won't price them out the market. They, see, they won't be. The thing about elite is that people still actually do become heroes or villains, uh, but by the nature of their actions. For yeah, instance, that's a, true. Certain, yeah. a certain uh, wizard has um, a, mm. a notorious reputation. Uh, and he's and he, he plays the villain uh, character very well, um, and uh, everybody seems to know who he is. The, if you want to say that everybody in the elite uh, universe knows who he, who this particular person is, then you know he, he he has built up a reputation and become a villain. And yeah, he's, it's, he's it, it is good in that this. regard. You see, yeah, it's. A, it, this game relies a lot more on meta for its narrative, I guess. Its narrative, yeah. And I think I think that's a good thing where the the actual narrative is is player driven. You have the Hutton Truckers. The Hutton Truckers came out of nothing. Yeah, you know, they're now one of one of the the best player groups out there. Not. Yeah, you know Son what the counter of that argument is, though, don't you, Colin? Go on. People look up. Him. Yeah, people look up delayed radio. Yeah, gosh, you silly idiots! <laughs> Who would look up to us? <laughs> I did many years ago when you first started out. I would like you, you would like delayed radio, and wow, these people know so much about elite. It's fantastic. And then you joined us, <laughs> and now that's true. I think there is a way. Um, I really dislike uh, shoehorning scripted campaigns into into sandbox games like Elite. I really, really don't like it. I, I remember in 
Elder Scrolls Online, which I played for about two hours. The um the the kind of first missions which set you up. There's like a kind of you're a bit of a chosen one type thing, and you're spat out the other end, and you've had this you've had this this sort of um, moving interaction with this character, and you just look around, and every other fucker has as well, um, and it, it's it's just like it's just ridiculous. Um, and um, I I really like the fact that um, Elite doesn't have that, but I think there is a way to inject narrative. And that's by um, making the choices and the allegiances that players uh, make more meaningful. So, for example, say you could um, say if you wanted to raise your rank with the Empire, it prohibited you having a higher than cordial or unfriendly rank with the Federation, for example. Suddenly you've suddenly you've made a choice which opens up some rewards in the game and locks off some other rewards. Um, and and puts you on a trajectory. It, it sets your allegiance for things like CGs in future. Um, something like that would mean that you've, if you if you you know, if somebody wanted to know what your career had been or what your story had been in the game, you've you've got you've got clear forks in the road where you've made choices and they've affected you and and brought you to where you are now. And if you have enough of those in, suddenly you've got the semblance of a personal quest or a personal. A personal story without the awkwardness of a of a scripted campaign that everybody does. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I kind of I kind of get where you you're coming from on this one. Um, but oh, the, the the thing is, when when you have big sandboxes like Elite, it's only the community that makes other community members heroes or villains. And the stories that come from that are basically all player driven. And even when you're down to it, it's normally a mass community that changes the galaxy in one way or another, not the individual. That's true, but these are but there are lots of individuals making these choices. I mean, for example, say you say you make a, a, a certain decision in a CG, like a I don't know, go hunt Thargoids or whatever. Say you do something different. Say you actually um, say you actually take the Thargoids, something which is beneficial to them, like metal alloys or something, rather than taking a tissue sample that could that could log on your account and ramify further down the line and you could get some kind of bespoke message um a few months later being like commander we hear you um we hear you are uh you're one of us and you 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 want to undermine the ages initiative um and then it could you know it could unlock it could automatically place you on a certain side for another cg or 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 cast you in a certain role for an interstellar initiative further down the line See, that is one of the things that games with a story don't tend to do very well, is you're either, if you like, on the hero journey, or you're on the hero journey. There's very few games that allow you to play the villain to its logical and ultimate extent. And I think what Colin was saying about how your actions in the community determine whether you're seen as a villain or otherwise, that is actually quite refreshing as well, because it's up to you. If you want to be the villain, you can play the villain, or you can be the good guy. And with a story-driven game, it's just not that's not the same. Well, yeah, I mean, with, with story, the main problem I have with... Um some of the, the story-based space sims, I mean, this is Freelancer, and I'm assuming it's the same for Rebel uh, Rebel Star Galaxy. Um, 
is the fact that once you've finished the plot, it then moves into an open sandbox type mode, and it just doesn't live up to how how good it was when you were playing the plot. Moving over to what Sue were used to in No Man's Sky, Sue, have you completed the storyline or campaign in No Man's Sky? Uh, I've completed one of them. There's there's several. So I'll just bring up my uh, my menu screen, which you'll see in 30 seconds or so. Um, this is the log page, and it shows your current missions. So you've got primary missions and secondary missions. My secondary missions are all base building at the moment, which are um, uh, there are. There are several different avenues for base building. So I've got um, one to do with building my farm, one to do with um, like industrial stuff. So building more power plants and, and mineral extraction and things. Base computer, which is like which is basically a, a simple quest line to unlock more base building bits, and exocraft technician, which is um, a, a quest line to unlock all the game's planetary vehicles. And then the primary missions. These are kind of your story campaigns, and there are three currently. This middle one, the space anomaly. This is a. I think I finished this one, um, and this was at, this was added in one of the um, the updates uh, that came in the year or two after release, um, and um, and it involves helping out a couple of aliens in this mysterious space station. Um, and there's this one called the Purge, which is uh, which is just to get to the galactic center, uh, which Shan, you've alluded to in the past, and I won't spoil. And then there's another one, which is the Atlas Path. Uh, sorry, the Atlas Path, which is uh, to um, to find the Atlas interfaces, uh, which is another storyline. So th- I think there are about three or possibly four kind of main story arcs that you can pursue. You can pursue them as far as you want. You can drop them whenever you want. You can kind of think of them as as the quest lines in an Elder Scrolls game. Um, like, you, you know, you just pick them up, carry them as far as you want um, or not. And I don't think they culminate in the same place um so the same one the, the same basic one of get to the galactic center is is still there but there's added ones that are tangential to it that don't feed into it um that uh that you can do instead or as well as you want but i haven't i've only com- i think i've completed one and, and i've only um i haven't got very far so um and i, I haven't got very, very far with the others so i don't know how mutually exclusive they are so do you feel deprived that other thousands of players are doing the same as you are, or is it so deserted from other players, so to speak, you feel as though you are the whatever it is in no man's Well, crucially, they're not. Um, none, none of the other players are doing the same as me. The, the, story, the story campaign that I finished was crap. It was undeniably crap. It's... Um, the, no Man's Sky doesn't have the structure to 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 do narrative set pieces very well. There isn't, there aren't any. Anim- well, there are a few animations, but they're basic hand gestures. The um the art style doesn't really lend itself to kind of dynamic interpersonal storytelling. Um, there's um there are a few other characters that you kind of it periodically bump into or or set up comms with, and they and they chat to you about um they chat to you about various things to do you know struggles struggles to do with um the game's central premise um and the 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 quest line that i completed tells you um it basically tells you a sort of underlying secret to the to the game world which explains a lot of um it explains a lot of um things about no man's sky and it, it and it sort of um it adds an element of internal consistency and it 
and explains the things that otherwise would be really inconsistent. Um, so it's, it's good in that regard. But the actual campaign itself, it's fly to this procedurally generated listening post or whatever, perform a small click on a thing task to tune in to, um, to talk to this character that you've spoken to a couple of times. And then it's like click through some text to learn some stuff. And then you're sent off to another procedurally generated location to do it, to do the same again. Um, it was crap. And um, the, I guess, I guess the story's, the, the, once you know it, the story's kind of good. Like it, it's sort of, the end of it's slightly moving. Um, but what I'm doing now is completely different. And what I've been doing for tens of hours now is completely different. I found this, this world that I'm on at the moment is um, it's called Bob Alpha, which I didn't name. That's a procedurally generated name. Um, I actually found it a couple of years ago when I first picked up the game. Um, and uh, and it was quite cool, but I didn't go back to it. And in one of the patches, I don't think they do this anymore because it, it'll mess with too many players' home bases and stuff. But in one of the earlier patches, they re they reset some of the prop gen stuff around coloration on planets. And in the, in the, in the meantime this planet has turned into like an, a real Earth-like. So it's uh, it's got green grass, green trees, uh, pearl, like pearly blue water, um, yellow sky, which is a bit weird, um, and, um, and quite interesting animals. Um, so I've set up a home base on it. And I've been I've spent the last sort of 20 hours or so, I've built an underwater base here, I've, which I'll show you in a bit. I've built a like a little fort. I've built a farm. I've built a racetrack, or I'm building a racetrack. Um, and um, and this is my own little story campaign. And, and one of my elite friends has set up a little base next door to me. And we're just, you know, I'm, I'm mapping this planet and naming bits of it and having loads of fun. And I took out my, my submarine and went off into the ocean and, and sought out. Um, there's one there's one aqueous animal that I haven't managed to find yet. So I've been on a quest to try and find it and name it. Um, and so what I'm doing now is is my own little story campaign that I'm writing that has nothing to do with anybody else. So I don't I don't feel like... There are loads of other players doing it because they're all doing something different. Okay, so in terms of what No Man's Sky could bring to Elite, do you think Elite is capable of doing the base building stuff that No Man's Sky has? As, as a you know, using bearing in mind the instancing and the fact that planets are based on real physics and real geology. It would be harder, I think. So No Man's Sky's base building is actually quite simple. Um, I I don't really play a lot of crafting games, so I can't I don't have much to compare it to. But I have a feeling that a lot of crafting games are quite a lot more complex, lot like more material types, more crafting pyramids. Um, no Man's Sky has um, has a few. Um, I'll show you. There'll be a thirty second delay, but I'll show you anyway. So oh, I can't show you here because my um, my build menu is limited because I'm not at home base. Um, but the um, you've got like a fairly simple tile set of bits. And you can, um, uh, and you can, and and there's sort of there's prefab bits which slot onto each other together neatly and and automatically distribute power to anything within them. And then there's kind of basic components which are like walls and floors which are more do it yourself. Um, and so in that regard, I think Elite could quite easily do the base building that No Man's Sky has because I don't think No Man's Sky is particularly complex. The um, the voxel stuff would probably be harder for elite. I don't know whether elite set up to do voxel landscapes, um, but you've, you'd you'd have you'd you'd run into things like the fact that um, 
the geology and the um, and the volcanism of planets will be modelled. And none of the No Man's Sky planets have volcanism. They're essentially, I'm pretty sure, I, I, I was flying over on earlier, and I'm pretty sure they're about the size of France. They're um, they're very, very small, the No Man's Sky planets, and they're, they're quite simple. Um, what Elite definitely could learn from, um, from No Man's Sky is how to make an environment um, believable and pretty and interesting and varied with a relatively small uh, array of procedural bits to choose from. Um, when, when No Man's Sky first released, the, the planets were pretty forgettable. Uh, and since then, the, the, the skyboxes have got way better. Well, not skyboxes, because there aren't really. Um, the cloud effects have got way better. The grass is much, much better. The, the plants are brilliant. The creatures are way better. Um, there's kind of particle effects in the, in the sky as well. Um, actually, I'll, I'll hop in. What I'm going to do is stop what I'm doing now. I'm basically driving around in this socking great combine harvester thing and uh, mining resources. But I'm going to go do something that's a bit more interesting for um, for viewers. I'll fly to some different planets. And so in terms of how the planets are put together, because I remember the presentation uh, by Frontier when um, Horizons first launched, and they were very proud of the way their planets are constructed um, and the way even the way they look because they use apparently real geological rules and uh, gravitational forces, etc., to shape the planets that are generated. Mm. So, for example, um, to produce the, the the mountain ranges, they use uh, plate tectonics to be able to ascertain of how crumpled the mountains are and the shape of them. Mm. And uh, the color of the planet is reflected on the predominant minerals on that planet. And then the um, the shape of the planet is also determined by the proximity to the sun as well as its size. Mm-hmm. So there's all sorts of astrophysics phenomena that the engine uses to create the planet. So I'm not sure if you'd ever get the sorts of planets you see in No Man's Sky because it would just have to throw all the rules of planetary generation out of the window. I agree with you, but I don't think anybody wants the same planets what no man's sky i don't think anybody plays no man's sky because the planets are tiny i'll, I'll, I'll tell you the, the mechanics of how no man's sky works the, the planets are tiny malleable orbs that sit in space and there are four or five to well, three, three to five to a system i guess and some of them have moons and some of them have rings the rings are cosmetic the sun is on a skybox in each system and it and it and it moves around the planets the planets don't move at all um that's how no man's, no man's Sky is built. Nobody wants that elite. An elite's really different. What No Man's Sky does that is brilliant is that it creates these really varied, interesting worlds that nobody's ever seen before, um, and that are absolutely beautiful. Um, and I don't think I think if you were to say, how about we put varied, interesting, believable, beautiful Earth-like worlds in Elite Dangerous? I don't think anybody would say that they didn't want that. So, for example. Um, like things like vegetation and um, and atmosphere and wildlife, I, th- I think a No Man's Sky does have lessons that it can teach other space games in terms of how to do quite a lot with um, with quite a limited. You know, No Man's Sky's team is a quarter of the size of Elite Dangerous's team, and it, it's never it's never exceeded. You know, it, it started off at six or whatever at release, and now it's at twenty five. Um, it's a much, much smaller game, but it does it manages to do quite a lot with it. Either. Yeah, I'm just looking at you play No Man's Sky and just think 
It's got, I haven't got as far as you have in it. And to be honest, the early No Man's Sky put me off. I mean, there was the um, the famous video now, but with the tune to Jurassic Park, where it shows you the trailer with all the dinosaur creatures and yeah, all stuff yeah. like that. And then all of a sudden, it goes really janky. And, you know, that, that was kind of true how it was. And there's also the very funny Dan Humans parody song for No Man's Sky. Um, I don't know if you heard that one. No. Look it up on uh, look it up on YouTube. It is absolutely hilarious and it's it's spot on for how the game was. Mm. And for me one of the takeaways from No Man's Sky is how with comparatively small resources but a commitment and backing from the studio you can turn a much maligned game into a praised one. And, yeah. And, yeah. and for me, that is probably one of the biggest takeaways from No Man's Sky that I think Frontier could learn from is that it has problems. And I think, you know, any, anyone would admit it. Except Frontier. But no, I'm sure they, I'm sure they admit it as well. Um, but it is a commitment and a imagination. You can really, really improve the game. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, Anyway, I, I wouldn't argue that Elite hasn't improved from launch, but the 2020 update is the real chance yeah, to I knock agree. out the park in the same way as version 2 of No Man's Sky has. Yeah, completely. I think, yeah, uh, what people forget about No Man's Sky is that um, each release has been really successful for Hello Games. Um, and um, and they didn't... The, the, like, the first couple of patches, they'd have stuck out through... A wish to to sort of turn the tide of of um, of the reception of the game, I guess. But then there, there has been a fairly solid commercial incentive to do so since. Um, and but the thing is, I was thinking about the, the the charms of Elite and No Man's Sky the other day, and the fundaments of them have not changed. And look, the best thing about the best thing about Elite Dangerous are the Stellar Forge and the Galaxy and the and the flight model, and those have been in the game since 1.0. And the best thing about No Man's Sky. Is um, is exploration and the planets, and that's that, that's been in since 1.0. What No Man's Sky has done really well is um, is added features that allow you to get more out of those things and make those things much better. So, for example, the um, when the game first released, for example, I remember the um, there was a um, when you landed on planets and looked around. You know how in like 90s games, the the characters would be sp- uh, would be sprites. They weren't 3D, and they would when you, when you moved, they, they would kind of they would kind of pivot, so they were always facing you. Um, no, the, the the foliage in No Man's Sky was like that. The grass kind of pivoted to face you, um, and um, and it was completely crap. And now it is totally different. I, I don't know if you can see on my screen, but I'm now in a submarine exploring underwater um, on this planet. Um, and um, and it's completely stunning. It's really really pretty. It, the art style may be uh, maybe a bit too out there, like a bit too. What was the name of the um, the sci-fi author uh, uh, painter? Was it was it Foss? John Foss? Something like that. It might be too much like those sort of sixties and seventies um, book covers. But the art style is is a is a choice in terms of what you can do with what you can do with procedural generation and um, uh, and a, like a fairly small palette of um, of assets, I think this is a really good example of how to do it well. 
um, especially seeing as it used to be a really good example of how to do it badly. Um, but the, um, I think the, uh, the interesting thing about um, elites, uh, sorry, not elites, about No Man's Sky's atmospheric worlds is that the, um, they, they really are play, like places that the players seem to want to spend time. The base building thing has allowed, um, has allowed players to do something which was never intended at launch, which is sort of bed down and, and, and make, a, make a home on a planet. Um, and the only reason Hello Games introduced that is because players wanted it. Um, the game was originally intended to be an itinerant, uh, you know, play until you um, until you reach the center of a galaxy, don't stop moving sort of thing. Um, and when players expressed the wish to stay on these planets and sort of make a home on them, um, Hello Games added base building, which has made them a lot more, which, which actually ended up being, I don't know, like 40% of the of the appeal, the lasting appeal for the game for a lot of people. So like, is it now more of a survival um, crafting game? Is it more yeah. in, in the vein of Ark and uh, lots of them, Conan Exiles and yes. stuff like that? Yeah, it, yeah it, um, it is more like that sort of thing. The, the difference is that there's no PvP. It's not hard. The game is quite easy. Um, and it's simpler. The crafting is simpler. But apart from that, um, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. That is the that is what what the sort of the crux is. the The exploration aspect is um, is a really good canvas uh, canvas to play that against. Um, and it means that it can it can be quite a lonely experience. Although the the latest patch has really fixed that. I don't know if so, you can see. Go on. Yeah, I was just wondering. Were you saying about the exploration? thing is more of the background than the crafting stroke base building now. Do you think Elite would benefit from that approach or would it just be seen as another Me Too? Because for me, one of the risks about base building, uh, potentially in the 2020, is people saying, oh, it's just like No Man's Sky, and it loses that uniqueness that Elite has because No Man's Sky did it first. I I don't think that's a problem. Like I, I don't think games should ever be... I don't think games should ever be wary of doing something that another game has done. And actually, to be fair, they're not. They're they're obs- they're, they're usually completely fle- um, completely shameless about it. Um, Elite has added a lot of features that other games had that Elite uh, Elite nineteen eighty four didn't have. Um, and I don't I don't think that's a particular problem. Um, base building is now, you know, it was in it was in Fallout four. It's it's the mainstay of loads and loads of games. It's quite rare for a for a a sort of sandbox game to not have um, crafting elements these days. I think the the thing about base building in Elite will actually fit much better into the fiction than carrier ownership will. Like Elite, you know, um, having having your own little base on a planet, um, and they could potentially use some of the assets from the planetary settlements that are in the game now, would make a lot more sense in law than players owning capital ships, I think. And I, I think it would actually slot in quite nicely. So is there the concept of a bubble in No Man's Sky? Because I can see one of the things of the base building um, is everyone is going to want to have a base, I don't know, on Shinrata Desra or somewhere like that, or, or you know, or Lave or Dekiat or one of the real hub systems. Mm-hmm. And if people don't get their base there, they'll just, Throw the toys out of the pram. You know, how do you? Oh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if they will. I, re- I don't really don't think they will. 
The, um, I don't know if you can see this just yet. You will be able to see it in about 30 seconds, but this my underwater base, which took me 10 or 15 hours to build, which is a it's a mashup of the underwater tile set with a um, with a, this kind of cuboid glass tile set, um, which is an example of what you can do in the base building. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't. I really don't think that players will do that in Elite. I, I'm not planning on having my base in the bowl. I've got a, a, a pair of binary Earth-likes under the Great Annihilator, which is going to be where my base is when we're allowed to land on atmospheric worlds. Um, or there will be certain. Or there will be certain features that people want, like a base on meter and hollow or something like like that. So you run the risk of I don't know space nimbies. <laughs> where someone finds something <laughs> and they, they object to someone putting a base right next door to the spoiling the The usual sort of stuff you get was I can see No Man's Sky has the sheer number of planets and if it hasn't got a bubble then there isn't really a prime location for people to have. No, yeah. and you're, the, the, the lack of a bubble is um, it does have an effect on No Man's Sky because it means that fundamentally it's quite a lonely uh, it's quite a lonely experience. The latest patch added um, added a summonable um, space station, which uh, acts like a um, acts like a, a social space for the players. So you can summon this thing into the. Um, actually, I'll fly up to it now. You can summon this space station into the uh, into orbit around whatever planet you're on, um, and um, or actually anywhere in space, I think. Uh, you can summon it from anywhere because the idea is that it, it sort of exists outside of space and time, um, and um, and it's it's like um, I think it's instanced, but broadly uh, you you'll meet um, as many players as the as the game can chuck in there with you, um, and when you're on that thing, you can uh, you can choose to go to any other players. Uh, base or where they where they are um the game also has a much better matchmaking now so um dr kai logged on the other day and wanted to um uh and and he's on the other side of the galaxy to me and and he just beamed into my game immediately um and with no you know he, he, he at the title screen it was launch um launch your own game or join a friend's game and um and if you if you select that option you just um you just beam immediately to wherever your mates are so they so kind can of you carry over the materials because one of the things with multi crew is you beam into their ship you and but you can't collect anything you can't take anything with you you're just a hologram on a chair in the ship can you collect stuff and take stuff away from other players while you're at that stage in your inventory uh you can set you set your i don't know much about this um, you there are options in the menu for um, uh, allow other players to damage my stuff, allow other players to add components or remove components from my base, um, X, Y, Z. Um, it's really not a PvP. One, the combat's crap, and two, the, there isn't any in, there isn't any incentive for PvP. There's not really many ways that the players can screw with you. I don't think. Um, that wasn't meaning about the PvP side of it. So let's say, for example. Um, Dr. Kai comes to visit you and you're at a planet that, I don't know, has a huge abundance of carbon. Can he fill his boots with carbon and then go back to his base and unload yeah, yeah. said full boots of carbon that he got from your yeah. instance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your inventory is, is consistent. Your inventories are consistent throughout um, 
throughout what, wherever you are um, in the game. I think the, the overwhelming feeling about this patch of No Man's Sky has been, okay, is there a good reason why we should not allow this? And if they can't come up with something compelling, they've just said, yeah, all right, fine, why not? Um, which is which has meant that it's I don't, I, there's just so much less friction playing this than there used to be. Well, I used to find that playing No Man's Sky with there's there's loads of friction. It, I, I just kept bouncing off it because it was such a ball ache to play. Um, all that's gone now. It's just a, a simple, fun arcadey joy, really. Uh, ben, you ben and Colin have gone to sleep. <laughs> but I think Ben wanted to. No, Ben's been trying to get a fucking word in Edgeways, but you two have been natural. Sorry, and not been able to say anything. Sorry. But anyway, yes, it's like Suverin slows down for a second and Shan dives in there. <laughs> so, Suverin, well, we... what I was wondering to ask was are all these vehicles and things like that? Last time I played No Man's Sky, I had my spaceship and then I could buy other spaceships and that was it. I didn't have any sign of this moon buggy or submarine or anything like that. Ah, I'll show you. I'll show you the, all the buggies. So have they always been in, the, in there, or is that a new thing? I think they've been in there since the Pathfinder update, which was the second big update they did. Right. So they've been in there for a couple of years. Um, okay, and they've, I mean, they've, I've not played it for a while, and I've not played an update of it, so... And they've, they've, they've systematically um, in, in added more in. Um, mm-hmm. So the, the, the first one was the Roma, which is kind of like, like this little sort of dune buggy thing and then they've added right. in there's a, there's a dedicated submarine there's a socking great thing which i was in originally called the colossus which is um it's like a big truck um okay. there's a there's a, a bike which i'll i'll go on actually i'll tell you what I'll, I'll fly to my um i'll fly to my new racetrack base and i'll do a couple of laps of that in the bike um and then there's uh what else is there there's a there's a hovercraft thing um so there's five different variants and they're, they all have different sort of, they're all good for different things. The hovercraft thing can travel on water. The bike is a bit faster. The, the big one has got loads of um, cargo space. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing about them is that they're quite slow. They're com- they, they feel really slow for some reason. Um, and I think it might be because of um, LOD stuff. It might be loading, loading terrain and, and plants and trees and stuff in, in front of them. The other thing that got to me that this is basically what made me stop playing No Man's Sky was I had my inventory, but for me to actually do anything, my inventory was always full. And it was usually full of stuff to allow my spaceship to take off. Yeah. And then I flew somewhere else and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, you can't actually leave this place because you haven't got the stuff to take off now. And you can't get it on this planet, so screw you. Yeah, so that all that stuff is now way easier, way easier. Right. Um, the 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 launch fuel for the I still don't see why um, why the ships need to have three or four different types of fuel. It's a complete bore leg. Um, but yeah, the the launch fuel, which is what you take off with, is now um, uh, th- there's a, a fairly easy upgrade which you get quite early on, which replenishes your launch yeah, replenishes your launch fuel automatically. Um, if you land on uh, pads at your base or a space station, it doesn't take mm-hmm. up any launch fuel. Um, oh, so that's re- something you can build, I'm guessing the pad is something you build. Yeah, yeah. And they, so that's something that they've reduced the, the friction of quite a lot. Um, the other one is the warp cells, the um, the, the fuel for getting between um, planets. That's, 
that's way easier to get now than it used to be. Um, it's way easier to get a much, much better and more efficient hyperdrive on your spaceship. Um, warp cells last for much longer. Uh, and I find that I've actually got way more than I need now. There, there is definitely, the early game is very much a, how can I stop dying? How can I shoot loads and loads of trees and rocks in order to do something very fucking basic? Like, yeah, it was um, the inventory management that yeah, it's I just like, you know, pain. this is just doing yeah. my head in and I really can't be asked with this. You know, the exploration I didn't mind. I'm not really into base building, but so I was like, okay, well, I can build a base and then I'm going to move on to another planet. Um, because obviously, you know, I was doing the whole you keep moving on thing that you were saying that they used, used to be the thing. Um, you know, I didn't go off and just decide I'm going to settle down and plant my flag here. Um, yeah. And I did go off and build a base, but then I was like, well, what's the point of actually building this base up when I'm only going to be here long enough to suck all the resources to move another couple of planets in and discover more things? Yeah, I, I was like that. The reason I the reason I stopped here is because I found a planet that I really, really, um, and that the the kind of Stellar Forge equivalent. There are there are lots of different mm. galaxies in No Man's Sky actually, and you start off in one, and then you can progress to others if you want, which I don't think okay. I'll do. Um, and um, uh, the the galaxies have have there is a kind of Stellar Forge equivalent. Some some galaxies have a higher likelihood of having lush planets, which like the Earth likes. Some of them have a higher likelihood of having what they call exotic planets, which are the kind of glitchy ones that have weird anomalous stuff on them. Um, some of them have a higher propensity to have um, very hostile sentinels, which are the the robot um, sort of antagonists who look after the planets. Um, so there there are different um, there are different likelihoods of finding things uh, depending on what uh, galaxy you're in and also what star type you're in. There are there are different coloured stars and the um, and the star types uh, determine what kind of planet is likelier to be in that system. It's nowhere near as as science based as elite, but it is a kind of similar methodology. Um, and um, and yeah, I was the same as you. Sort of, I'll, I'll just keep keep exploring until I find a planet. But the, the, my idea was that all I would find a planet that I really liked, and then um, and then build a base on it. And then I found yeah. this one, which I, I think is great. And I've um, built like four or five bases on it so far. That's, that's fair enough, yeah. Right. Norman, have you managed to get that video? Okay, cool. So, Suv, how about we move on from No Man's Sky and we'll maybe spend a wee while talking about other games and other space games and maybe even other genres of game as well. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. Okay. Work for you, Norman. If anybody in the chat wants to, um, wants to ask any questions about No Man's Sky or has any or has owns it and played it for a few hours a couple of years ago and didn't like it or wants to know what whether a certain aspect of it has changed um please ask because i'm really happy to to talk about um because you know my experience is, is fairly similar to most people's bought it in 2016 thought it was shit didn't play it dipped in for a couple of hours on each update and then bounced off it and the fact that i now have about 130 hours into it or something and, and really, really like it is evidence that they've, they've clearly got something right, um, at least for me. So if anybody wants to ask anything, then, then yeah, go ahead and do it and I'll, I'll, try and get to, I'll try and get to the questions as we go through the show. On the far side of the bubble, on the dark side of an airless moon, on the slightly more interesting side of a ravine, there lived 
The Engineer. The Engineer can make your lasers more powerful. Your engines speedier. And your gas tank really, really big. What do you want? I want fish. Wait, what? That's right, fish! Carp, char, chub, jack, loach, crabby, monkabate, prickleback, sole, snook, snake, tang, wahoo, wabagum, banjo, banga, snook, sole, shad, scat, come on by with the long nose cat. Noodlefish, nibblefish, northern squaw, huma huma nuka nuka wapa wapa. What about Swedish fish? Why the hell not? Thanks, mister. You're in the wrong commercial. Well, shit. Fish, because, you know, space. Important message from Code. Are you the kind of commander that likes drowning kittens? You are a pirate. Do you leave the toilet seat up after every piss? You are a pirate. Do you drive a fertilance and refuse to use your indicators? You are a pirate. Do you have an eye patch on both eyes? You are a pirate. We're the code and we're recruiting for your sort. Help ruin someone's afternoon and join the code. Yar. Yar, har, Being a pirate is a wretched thing. Do what you want because a pirate is free. You are a pirate. Hello. Um, welcome back. Uh, ben, you're playing Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. Uh, let's talk about that for a bit. Okay, um, I was playing Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. But... What are you doing now? I'm currently about to boot into GTA 3, actually. <laughs> That's not a space game. Well, it's quite an interesting... There's uh, a few comparison, and I'm going into it for a reason. Well, there's a few comparisons, isn't there? I mean, first of all, really apparently the interior space of a Coriolis station is about the same as the map in GTA 5. Someone worked out. <laughs> That's amazing. Do you mean the, the interior... Landing the landing pads. No, no, the, the the entire space station. So, because so the the landing bit is just if you like the car park. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, um. Yeah. That, I always enjoyed the crime and punishment system in uh, GTA Five, simply because the consequences for being an idiot are just so minor. And it actually encourages you to be an idiot <laughs> rather than playing it properly. You know, yeah. it encourages you to grieve yeah. and blow up people and because of that. And I think Elite could probably learn a lesson from the chaos that GTA. The uh, the penalty for failure in Elite is very high. I always think that one of the reasons that the, the PvP, PvE argument is so toxic in Elite is because the penalty for death in Elite is actually quite high. Um like if you're, you know, if you're flying a sort of mid-tier ship, you you can expect your rebuy to be five or six million, which is for for players who don't religiously watch YouTube videos and know how to min-max everything. That's actually that's actually a few hours of play. Um, most online games do not set you back a few hours of progress when you when you die. Elite does. Um, so I that I do think that Elite probably could make. Um, that what you say about the kind of the penalties for chaos and the the encouragement to like mess around in GTA is something that um, 
Elite could learn a little bit from, I think. Well, that is the attraction for me. That is the attraction of GTA. It's not the not the single player mission. It's not the races. It's not the activities and the heists and stuff like that. It's just the sheer fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. about in it. Yeah, I agree with that. Totally agree. Um, the um, uh, it, I, I'm pretty sure that when people kill you, you just immediately respawn, don't you? I haven't played a lot of. Um, yeah, I'm actually not playing. I'm playing GTA Three, so the original one from two thousand on the PlayStation Two. Yeah, so nice. I'm actually playing. I'm playing it on the PC. I'm actually playing this on my Shadow Box. Why did you go um, back to GTA Three? Basically, because I started playing GTA Three on my tablet, and I was like, I really, I'm really enjoying this. And then I was like, right, I want to keep playing it. I did um, wonder, Ben. I thought, Ben, you really need to buy a new graphics card. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the reason why I'm doing GTA Three just now, though, is. David Braben's stated that, well, Rockstar have stated that Elite, the original Elite 84's open worldness, was one of the key things that they they wanted for their game, as well as the sense of humour that they had, um, and the just the sheer you could just as you guys were saying in GTA Five. Even in GTA 3, I can just drive around and shoot people, have fun, pick up random things. You're not see crazy random shit. You're not really in the spirit of this, Ben. You've been driving around pedestrians. Sorry. There we go. I'll go and squash a couple now. Uh, I mean, one of the things that I, I wound up posting a screenshot of the other day was I was doing some missions in the early game of GTA 3, and it was doing, I think it was somebody called El Buru, and you were basically driving around picking up this guy's donkey pawn collection. <laughs> yes, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> and then once you've done that, then you get a few magazines at your hideouts. And it's just like, it's just silly things like that, but I also like how. It's very, it's nicely self-referential. The whole, I mean, obviously, there's so much less in GTA Three than there was in Five, and it's got a lot of things that it could it can improve upon, which it does do. But I've got to admit, the, the, um, the zeitgeist of Three is nowhere near that of Vice City. Vice City oh, no. is a wonderful game. I love the yeah. music and the aesthetic and the clothes huh. and everything. Totally yeah. I love I love the the soundtrack though from from GTA Three. I mean that, that's actually that's something I'd love for Elite to have in it is the equivalent of the radio stations from GTA. Mm, yeah, that's um, a really good point. The radio stations, yeah, the radio stations in in the GTA games are phenomenal. Yeah, There's actually and the the DJs in them as well. Yeah. Yeah, very good. I guess you'd have you'd have problems with translation and stuff, as in you'd have to do it. You would if you did it. In yeah. one of the games, wasn't there a licensing issue with the radio station and I the music? I think that might well be GTA three, GTA Vice City, because I know it opened up originally, and you were going straight into that's what the, the key moment of it was. You you come out of the introduction and just straight into Michael Jackson's Billie Jean. And I don't know if that happens anymore. Um, 
because of the licensing issues because it's gone on for so long and maybe they only had a 10 year long license or something mm. uh, and if that's the case that's a real shame um, but so, so you've gone back into GTA because you read that the Elite was one of the biggest um, Elite was one of their influences yeah I've and, read that as well and GTA is one of Frontier's influences with their open world things. And there's a lot of things I think that GTA could, GTA Online does that Frontier could learn from and use. Uh, like Shan was saying, like the uh, like the, the penalties and so on. But an- another thing that GTA Online does is if, I'm a, if I start acting like a j- dick in GTA Online, I get the military coming after me. Yeah. You know, not, I'm, when I'm playing GTA 5 online and I'm up in the casino at the moment, you know, the casino's always got sirens and everything like that outside of it because people are just drive. They're just always flying around in their magic flying bikes, acting like dicks and killing everybody. Mm. Um, and it's just crazy and it's fun, but it's. But the police are. Well, the police coming in and attacking you is fun, but it also ultimately kills you. Um, and I do think that having the the police coming in and ultimately killing you would probably probably be a good thing for elites, to be honest. The other thing I like about the crime system in GTA Five is that if you have a player who's on a rampage. And you know, basically killing everything. They then show up as a dot on the map for every other yes. player to see. Yeah, I really like that as well. Yeah, I'd so, love for that to be carried on as well. You know, so if you had a high notoriety in Elite, to, have, to be visible on the galactic map as to where they are and who they are would, I yeah, think, I mean, be. I mean, how awesome fun. would it be if you've got like a bounty of several billion credits on you, crazy high notoriety? And yeah, you just you can just see wherever this person is. I think it'd be awesome. Yeah, be and really it could really even cool. be done in law as well. It's like you know, the Pilots Federation has noted your presence, and your your jump engine is basically grassing on you because your jump engine is owned by the Pilots Federation. Yeah, I think it'd be great. It'd be really, really good. Um, I think it'd be de- awesome. Definitely, in terms of how to arrange, um, uh, how to have kind of. Um, better bounty and uh, I I think one thing that um, Elite said it was going to do and didn't and it doesn't really feel like it's done properly is differentiate safe space from unsafe space anarchic space should feel really oh yeah really it should there should be a real risk reward reward thing about going into anarchic space hell Um, yes we've always said that yeah and and I, the single most dangerous place I ever go is Shinrata Desert which should Mm -hmm. be one of the one of the most heavily policed systems in the bubble yeah. Frontier have really, really not succeeded. They've just really failed at making high security space high security and anarchic space anarchic. The safest place you can possibly be is where are the, there are the fewest players. Yeah, agreed. Which, I mean, which, I would... which is which is anarchic space because it's you know there's nothing there. Yeah, yeah if I say the safest place in the world. Um... Is downtown Bogota, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But the, 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 it was, you know, the, I, I don't think it's beyond the wit of man to set up a system in which 
um, there's a robust bounty um, sort of response to to player aggression, or you know, to to disincentivize it so much in certain systems that they they do feel safe for for players who aren't interested in PvP. I'm not I'm not saying that as a care bear, although I am a bit of a care bear. It's more that more in terms of balance. Like there should be a risk reward thing. You know, go, going into going into the Pegasi Center uh, sector should feel like fuck. I'm I'm going to get into the, I'm going to get I'm going to get blown up. But if I don't, there's the opportunity for like these really high paying missions. Uh-huh. And being in somewhere like Shinrata Desera or um, or like in the heartland of the Empire or the Federation, it should be quite safe. Um, in terms yeah. of uh, how would you guys like it though if you're in say Shinrata Desera as a criminal with notoriety? And you're getting interdicted every five seconds, and you're going to get you're getting interdicted every five seconds by the ATR fight um, with you know five anacondas or something like that. Um, sorry, is the question how would I like it? Yeah, would you? Do you think that would be a good thing for the game for you to come in and you're, you're fighting interdictions? You're getting the oh the the super police SWAT team coming in at you. Um, I don't think it would be. Uh, yeah, I, short answer. Yeah, I think it would be good for the game. Like your your immediate player experience probably would be a little bit curtailed because you'd be like, bugger, I can't shake these guys. I you know they just keep interdicting me all the time. Um, but viewed in the context of you've been blowing up players and doing things which are clearly telegraphed as as bringing about that response. Bit naughty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Then yeah, th- that that does feel right. Um especially if it's um especially if it's a short-term thing until you've been blown up or until you flee high security space. If you immediately run away to anarchic space, then brilliant. You know, you've no, you've made I want system. anarchic space to be precisely, high security. I'm not I'm not I'm not suggesting we have insta kill for player killers. But um you know, if you if you if you Maybe so. If you aggro players in high security space, the ATR should hound you until you're a blown up or b you flee to low security space because that concentrates the that concentrates violent players in in low security space, which is in where they yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it you know because going to those places should be dangerous. Um, that, that that I feel is, is the right is the right balance. And yeah, okay, while the ATR are chasing you, it feel like it would feel overpowered but then having the military chasing you in gta feels um and for I the health effects having the military chasing after you in real life <laughs> might be a bit overpowered as well yeah i just, guess so. just saying yeah that's a good point but that's kind of I, f- I feel like that the game would be healthier um for that so yeah I, I, one thing i didn't expect to come out of this evening was with a, a crime and punishment conversation but yeah i think definitely <laughs> something like gta has a lot to teach elite in terms of crime and punishment well, that's just that. Yeah, I don't want that. Uh, one game I know has had influence on Elite um, is XCOM. Mm. In that, uh, it was one of the uh, inspirations, Sandro said, uh, about the uh, NPC crew deaths, is they wanted it to hurt, basically. They wanted to have a consequence for it in the same way as losing one of your soldiers in XCOM did. Yeah. What do we think of that about that particular mechanic? Does it work in XCOM and does it work in Elite or should they have ditched it in Elite, do you think? I haven't played XCOM, but I really like the um I really like the fact that uh your crew die if your ship blows. 
I've been on the wrong side of that loads of times. So, and it has hurt, but I, I think that's good. Um, it, it's, um, it's on an immersion and the gameplay. Though. You wouldn't. I, I think want on an immersion, of... I don't think it works. Uh, why can you survive literally everything and then get teleported back to the other side of the bubble if you if you die, versus your poor bugger of a crewman forgets to put a rimlock on? Yeah, true. All right, so it, it, less immersion, I guess. More narrative is is the is what I mean. Like, well, it definitely makes me feel attached to my crewman. Yeah, I, my, I think my... there are other other ways of doing the same thing that people have talked about. I mean, there's one of the suggestions was that if, when you're blown up, you have a certain amount of time to get back to the scene and scoop up their escape pod. And if you manage to do that, then mm-hmm. that's a good idea. That's a really they good survive. Idea. The other idea people have, and it's actually what I, I quite favour, is that there is a consequence for getting your ship blown up in that maybe your NPC um, crew um, want to take danger money, so maybe they add a couple of percent on the take they, they insist because they've gotten blown up and had the terror of working yeah, yeah. in space. And there's also the aspect of, well... They could they could be rescued and end up in hospital, so therefore they lose experience or combat rank because they're no longer as brave or courageous or whatever than they were, or all that sort of stuff. There are ways to have penalties. How about the crewman eventually having a face on with you if they if they do get blown up too many times? It's like you know what, screw you. You might have leveled me all the way up to elite, but I ain't working with you no more. Yeah, I think I think um, having crew that in, in implementing some of the passenger um, mechanics into crew members in a diluted form wouldn't be a bad idea. So maybe not mm-hmm. like if you smuggle once they leave you, but maybe maybe if you consistently do things that that um, endanger them, like you're always on the wrong side of the law, and maybe um, maybe some of them might want to desert you. I think it'd be interesting like- getting criminal criminal based NPC crewmen who like you smuggling. Versus those who don't. That would be, yeah, that'd be exactly. really interesting, actually. Yeah. Although, although buy a cheeky ton of narcotics or something like that and don't tell you about it. So when you... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be brilliant if your crewman just like had a drug habit. That would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, bit, suffering a bit of PTSD, need a bit of a snort, and next thing you, you realise you're getting picked over. <laughs> that would be cool. That would be very, very cool. I feel like the... Um, uh, the the crew members. I, I like the fact that when your ship blows up, you lose them. Um, it means that I don't take as many risks as I used to, and I feel like more of an impetus to get better as a pilot, um, uh-huh. which is a good thing. Um, but I think definitely the idea of um, uh, scooping the escape pod is brilliant. Um, I mean, it doesn't use any new assets. It introduces a massive thread of narrative, personal narrative that um, that is compelling and and personally important to the player, with, and 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 avoids that thing of um, we're all saving the princess, like narrative usually has in MMOs, um, and um, uh, and it and it would sort of uh, and it would solve the problem of of you surviving when your crew members don't. Um, the other thing I'd want to have happen is I'd want to have other players to be able to scoop out your NPC crew oh, and steal them from you, and then you'd then offer them back to you for a for a price or something, or <laughs> yeah, or, or, or if you knew they had an elite NPC, can crew you sell them into slavery? <laughs> well, I was just thinking if because the the, the um, uh, 
the golden NPC crew is one that doesn't look like Wayne Rooney with a squash face and has a English accent. So a good-looking NPC crew member with an English accent is very, very rare. Why do you want one with an English accent? Because it's rare. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, But anyway, so uh, being able to scoop up other people's NPCs when they blew up, like a piracy or kidnapping or call it the way you like, I quite like the idea of that, actually. Yeah, it would be it would be it would be in line with um, the original vision for the game, which is you know staying away on other people's ships and, and stealing as, their cargo. And as Ventura said in chat, sell them to Thargoids. No, you wouldn't sell them. I'd just say, right, Souverine, I want ten thousand tons of void opals. Else, else, I'm feeding your crew members to the Thargoids. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really funny. <laughs> that would be quite good. So that was XCOM. Um, the other thing as well, when we talk about fleet carriers, I mean, for me, the classic fleet game of the X series. Anyone? I haven't played those. I really want to, though. They look bloody good. Um, have, do, you, do you have X4, Shan? Uh, I don't. I, I stopped at X3 because it became, it was more like a macro writing game than a space game. Right, time okay. you get well advanced you know that it just gets it's micromanagement of fleets and stuff like that yeah, so okay. I, I, I wouldn't really want fleet carriers to be micromanaged as much as the X series yeah. but yeah. being able to equip your carriers and that has space building as well so you can own a space station you can get a nice little economy going where you mine stuff then you refine the metals and you sell the metals and all sorts of stuff like that you can build your own empire yeah, of stuff in the yeah. game, and I think if you talk about base building, be able to do that in Elite, I think would would add quite a lot. Yeah, as Parasite yeah. said, being able to fly a fully functional cutter on my own feels ridiculous. Yeah, it does seem a bit strange, doesn't it? Well, that was something. Wasn't that something that Frontier had that you had to go off and hire five or six crewmen to be able to actually fly, say, a cutter? Yes, a Panther Clipper, you had to hang around and get the crew before you could even take off on it, yeah. And then you had to I, don't, I don't see why we can't have the equivalent, if you want to, say, fly an Anaconda, you need a couple of crewmen, and same for everything else. Yeah, that's that a great seems, idea. I, that, and I would like the crewmen, maybe they don't actually offer anything real, but a bit like engineering, they give you a percentage bonus so you have a you have a gunner crewman, say, and they go off and give you a few extra percentage in your two hit rate ratio or something like that. Hmm. Uh, you know, there's no tangible difference, but it just it just offers alters the RNG slightly. I think it's a really good idea. I like it. Yeah, another form of engineering, essentially. Hmm. Yeah. And get I mean, just that would just make yeah okay. So in your side, sure, you're only one person, but. Even if you're in a Cobra, you could have two two of you. There's some really, really Why good not? ideas coming out of this. Um, um, so I, I, I guess it all comes... I mean, there's several things that always the elephant in the room when you talk about improvements to Elite, and that is development time of the assets and of the UI, and also the persistency and instancing. 
they're always the elephant in the room because we talk about base building and stuff like that yeah. is how do you make your base persistent across anything you know how do you make sure that um if you build something it's see you know if you if you're mining something on a planet making it stay mined when there's how many trillion planets in, in the game it's quite a feat for it to get to remember the state of your mind. And isn't this something that we've talked about, why they don't have the XB-37, whatever the hell it was, mining drones that used to be able to deploy in Frontier? You know, because basically they couldn't make them static and remain in-game. Or the, 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 the amount that would just litter everything... Yes, that was what Dav was saying, wasn't I think yeah, it was one yeah. live kind. Yeah, it might have been while you were talking to Dav at the bar, you mean? <laughs> no, it was a, it was a, it was in a, um, it was, I know. It, it was in the dead Q&A, I believe. Harris Yafu in chat says that he's, uh, or sorry, they have suggested uh, many of the ideas that we're throwing around. Um, if so, thank you very much for doing so, because... Um, they're very good ones. Yeah, no, these, and I mean, none, I don't think any of the things we've talked about have been original ideas that I've never heard of before. <laughs> these are all things just, that we've been talking about for the past five years as well, in many ways. Well, it's just nice to congregate them and look back to where, you know, inspiration from other games. Yeah. Which kind of neatly segues into something we were talking about in Discord earlier was there seems to be a slow movement of elite into being an MMO. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree with that, totally. And Well, I'd argue it always has been an MMO, but okay. So, I mean, strict, strictly, yes. Um, on a technicality, yes, but I think what Shan means is in terms of, um, in terms of characteristics. Oh, you um, mean the fact it's now got piss-poor piss squadron mechanics? Well, the, to sum up, this is the way I think the trajectory's gone. In the... Um, in the Kickstarter um, and earlier, the, the development videos, Dave, the, the way David Braben talked about it was that 1984 the, the Elite, the 1984 elite that, that formula, um, I'm specifically picking that one because it was the same unscripted blaze your own trail, unlike First Encounters, for example, um, which is more of a linear thing. Um, well, not linear, but you know, more, of a, more of a campaign. Um, that formula translates very, very well to a modern a modern game and particularly um an online game um and he because in the you know being being a nobody carving your blazing your own trail um building up from nothing occasionally bumping into other commanders if you watch the development videos the, the way david braben talks about those interactions he doesn't say building a guild you know creating a power having big pitched battles with loads and loads of players in the same instance or anything like that the way he talks about it is just bumping into players you know you might be docked next to them and you might sneak onto their ship and steal some cargo you might you know you, you might be doing a trade run and be interdicted by a player who who wants your cargo for for themselves they they you know the, the, the thought the thinking wasn't that a traditional mmo that we would think of with its structures and characteristics like guilds and mounts and pets and grinding the, the way the way he talked about it was just the 1984 game where some of the npcs you met would happen to be players um, and I feel like the, the 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 shift that Shan's talking about is from that to something which has much more typical, recognisable MMO traits like grinding um, guilds, um, sort of pets. Uh, sorry, pets. 
<laughs> I want pets in my pets game. In it's I, not I, pets. NPC I am sure. I'm sure one day we will have pets in Elite. No, you've already got pets. NPC crew. <laughs> are the um, the you know raising the level cap, which is basically adding fleet carriers. You know, all, all of these things. Are well, I disagree with I disagree with fleet carriers raising level cap. To be honest, and it's not. It's yeah. But the, the the level cap in terms of power remains the same. What what is the level cap then? If, if, you, if, if, if you deny that ship progression is is progression, you kind of deny that any progression. Anyway, this is a completely different conversation. Um, what is the level cap in elite? Well, it's it's whatever you want it to be. It could be getting elite in trade <laughs> or exploration, or it could be getting a hundred earth likes or whatever. You know, so I wouldn't call it level cap, but I would call I'd say. The the cap system I would have said was going from A rated FAF, then going to everything engineered, and it's kind of looked at everything engineered. Yeah, I agree with, with that. subtle sideways changes into Guardian stuff, maybe. Yeah, and yeah, then I, I think agree. the next jump is then going to be the the capital ships. So I, I really mean, hope it won't be. Well, I was just thinking of what the mechanics of MMOs that people typically have because in a way your ship is your character and your no, ship is also I'm my your character. No. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I agree with Shannon in, and sadly in, 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 in mechanics way your ship and also what ship you're in and how you use it is the equivalent of your profession or your class. My my ship is a tool and I'm I'm my character. Mm, yeah, if you like, Ben, but it's in terms of game mechanics, your your ship is your character because it has a build, yeah. it has, yeah, it's stuff like that. So there is that. The other thing that um, MOs typically have and that we haven't seen in Elite yet are the concepts of raids or group instances. Because, yes, we've got wing missions, but I would argue that they're not <laughs> no, no. really the same. We d- we kind of do. I think hydras are the equivalent of a. You, hydras are, are nearly they're very very difficult to take on, on your take on on your own, um, unless you have done lots and lots of meta stuff, which um, it's reasonable to assume that most don't. Um, and realistically, they're they're sort of they're skilled wing kind of end game content. So elite does have something like that. Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's I think that's really cool. Um, the um, the only thing with that, obviously, is that the is that wing combat with Thargoids is very bugged. Can you hear me? Okay, so with the jump to getting space legs, what would you say your character would be then? Then, then your avatar would be your character. Definitely, I I, I agree yeah. with. You. Basically, what we have is. Your your avatar is your spaceship. But it depends and... on what your. But it depends on what you can do with your avatar in Elite. Because if you if it can have I don't know armor and weapons and it has attributes that you can change and all sorts of stuff like that, then it then does become your character. If you can't do anything with it other than go to a space bar and chat, then it's not really your character. It's just a mess mm. of chatting to other players. You need to be able to do something with it other than just pose around and chat, I think. Right. I mean, I, well, this is why I've always felt that 
David has essentially wanted to make Grand Theft Spaceship. Uh, and yeah, you were yeah. alluding to that earlier with you know, you're going along and somebody interdicts you, jumps in and s- jumps into your ship, and then steals some of your cargo. Yeah, awesome. That'd be great. And That'd be really, really cool. Yeah, that, that would be amazing. It would be awesome. I would, I would love it. And... Yeah, I don't give a shit if you call it Grand Theft Spaceship. That idea works for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, even more really, so really if really I can cool. actually steal your spaceship as well. Uh, but mean, then there's a major penalty for it as well. Hmm. There is, but also I'm thinking about um, the other parts of MOs, like an auction house or player-to-player trading and stuff yeah. like that. And that's all something I would not want to see in Elite, particularly with engineered modules. Because I because ships and stuff have stayed the same price, yes, because of how easy it is um, to make money, the uniqueness of a ship is kind of, kind of somewhat downgraded a bit. But being able to sell engineered modules would, when the game economy is not geared towards a player-driven economy, I think would be a almost fatal move for... Well, how about the original idea that was mentioned way back in the day that you would, you'd have different ships. You'd be able to buy second-hand ships. You'd be able to buy front first-hand ships. You'd be able to sell your ship with your engineered modules, and it would be worth different to a ship with D-rated ships. Sure, it would be, but I've got a few God-rolled mod- modules. Yeah, but you would never sell ship. it. That's fine. Well, maybe it would. Maybe I'd sell... Um, my god rolled um, frag cannons mm. for mm. three billion each, or whatever it is. You know, it would then instantly create a huge barrier between. Yeah, but but then, if you were able to make, if you were able to get, say, the elite equivalent of the Millennium Falcon, and it's up to you whether you sell it or not, that ship's got a reputation. It's got, it's got yeah, the engineered and everything like yeah, that. Remember, the ship is your character. So the, no, the, the ship's not your character. You're your character. Actually, that is a good point. That that is a really good point in terms of reputation. Um, the uh, a load of stuff stays stays with the um, with the character, regardless of ship. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, all your all your materials and everything like that stay in your pockets of holding but i think if you wanted to have a ship have a reputation when you scanned it or when you looked at it on screen if it didn't have the commander name it had the ship name yeah i think you would get that um cool. That's a good idea. because it because it has the commander name you know who it is it doesn't matter who's what ship it is oh look that sounds oh. The Millennium Falcon f- flown by Lando Corizian, though, is different to the Lando, the Millennium Falcon flown by Han Solo. So I don't see, you know, that that's not such a big deal. Anyway, let's move on. We've, um, mm. yeah, we, we've sort of. I'm afraid, in the absence of um, Colin, we've we've um, we've ranged far and wide um, without any without any host discipline this evening. So I'm very sorry. Yeah, whoever's raising a good question, actually. If you ship your character, what happens when you're in your SRV? Yeah, it's a good point. 
very good point. I think, yeah, I, I think the fact that I think the fact that lots of things persist regardless of what spaceship you're in. I think mechanically, Shan is correct that your spaceship is your avatar um, hmm. because you can't exist without it, and your only way of locomoting is in a spaceship. Um, when we have space legs, hopefully that will be different. And what I would really like is for the spaceships to start to feel like places rather than avatars. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to go for a drink in my Anaconda's bar. Yeah, me too. Definitely. Anyway, let's um, let's move on. I'll take over hosting as um, as Colin is no longer with us. Um, so, <laughs> not in that sense. <laughs> he's still alive. Uh, you'll be thrilled to hear. We think. Um, but he has. Uh, I think he's hanging with his family. Is some family, didn't he? Something um, came up. Yeah. Something came up. So anyway. Uh, I would like to quickly talk about um, a new venture, which is um, which we've been working on all summer. So um, I am one of the team at Sagittarius Eye, and um, as is uh, a few of the Lave Radio guys, um, and um, uh, Alan Stroud and I and a few other collaborators have been working on um, a new project since about May um, called Parallel Worlds. Uh, and we announced this at the um, we announced this at LaveCon. Um, well, Alan did. I was on my honeymoon. Um, and um, this is a, a new online monthly magazine, same format as Sagai. Um, and um, but this is non Elite Dangerous. It is a general um, escapism science, science fiction and fantasy magazine. Um, and we're going to be covering uh, all sorts of media um, with a focus on. Um, tabletop games, role-playing games, video games, uh, books, um, a bit of um, a bit of uh, TV and, and film, um, and um, there's uh, we we are releasing our first issue this coming Friday the sixth. Um, so we've um, we spent all summer sort of assembling the team. We've got a team of uh, nearly twenty now, um, and it's structurally quite similar to Sagai in that we've got editors and proofreaders and designers and artists and all that sort of thing. Um, it's been, it's been a bit of a, a learning experience because we've had, um, we, 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 it's, it has different challenges. For example, with Sagai, we've got this wonderful bounty of, of Cobra engine screenshots that we can use um, for all the articles. Uh, whereas with parallel worlds, we need to think about permissions and, and, um, uh, and for video game articles and also, you know, finding the finding images for things like, articles on TV and film and tabletop games and that sort of thing. Um, but we, um, but we're really thrilled with what we've, what we've come up with. Um, the first issue is about, uh, it's about the same length of Sagai and they will be, they will, uh, um, and the, the issues will be comparable length. Um, and we're covering in, in issue one, we have, um, an interview with the creator of Gloomhaven, which is a very popular, um, quite serious board game. Um, we've got a, um, we've got, Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, No Man's Sky. Um, we've got uh, a bit of coverage of Dark Souls and Hollow Knight. Um, we do. Um, we've got a book reviews, uh, board game reviews. If you like uh, fictional universes and science fiction and fantasy generally, um, pick it up and um, let us know what you think because we'd be really, really thrilled to get feedback. Um, we'll drop the. Where um, do we find this, Colin? Uh, Colin, Sue. So- <laughs> so um we'll drop links in the show notes um that's not, not the show notes the in the in the chat um you can find us at uh, on twitter at at p worlds magazine 
Um, we'll drop the link in. It's much easier than me spelling it out. Um, and the um, the website is www.parallelworlds.uk. Um, at the moment, the website is a is a placeholder where you can just sign up, and the website will go live on Friday with um, issue one. Um, so if you if you hop on there now, um, you'll be able to submit your email address, so you get um, so you receive issue one into your inbox. Um, we will if you if you do want to sign up, and please do, um, you will receive precisely one email per month, which will be our monthly um, new release notification. Um, and, um, and, and looking forward, we, we will do our, um, monthly online release, um, and we'll also do, um, an audio issue as people, people are probably used to us doing from Sagai. We do, we do a, um, a monthly podcast, uh, release of Sagai, which, um, which Ben oversees, um, and Parallel Worlds will be doing the same. And we haven't, we haven't started that yet. It, we're always going to start doing it, um, further down the line, but in time we will do, um, an audio edition as well as, um, the glossy release, um, because, you know, there's an accessibility thing about audio, like the, you know, the, the, the magazine doesn't read well on a mobile and you do need a way of, um, of, of taking the stuff in, um, when you're, you know, on the bus or whatever. So we, so audio makes a really, really nice counterpart. Um, if you would like to, um, to, if you'd like to ask any questions or you'd like us to cover a particular thing, or you're interested in joining the team, um, then please do pop us an email, which is info at parallelworlds.uk. Um, and otherwise, um, make sure you check it out on Friday. There'll be a forum post on the Frontier of Frontier forums as well, um, just flagging up the salient details because it's because um, a lot of the team uh, are Elite Dangerous players, and Elite Dangerous brought us together. So we feel like it's a bit of a spiritual home, um, and we'll probably have quite a lot of coverage of space games generally going forward. So. Um, Hopefully do, you'll let us. Do know. you want to tease any of the content in season episode one? There's a li- there's little bits of uh, on the on the Twitter feed. There's bits and bobs of um, there's there's bits and bobs to tease. I will drop into the recording studio chat. I will drop a couple of teasers now. Um, bear with me a second. And we I'll can't drop. say these out loud to everyone or anyone else. Things are tough. <laughs> Can you not? I don't no, know. That's what you, I'm asking you. You can lift them and put them in the. Um, you can lift them out and put them in the. These aren't teasers. These are like little snippets of content. Um, and there's one which is our. Oh, I see a picture um, of a dinosaur. Yeah, so that's that's one of them. Um, that's, is that No Man's Sky? It looks like it looks a yeah, like a No Man's Sky yeah, yeah. dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> uh, these are some posters that we made. I'll pop in as well. Um. I, I don't have any spreads to tease yet. Um, we we signed we signed the image uh, we sh- we signed issue one off uh, yesterday, I think, and I don't have any spreads of that just yet. But we've got little bits and bobs of promo content. Mm-hmm. Um, so the full list of contents for um, uh, for issue one is um, Gloomhaven. Uh, we've got features on Lovecraft, uh, review of Blood of an Exile, Star Citizen. Um, we. We do a Kickstarter roundup every month where we talk about um, projects on Kickstarter. Um, a board game called Tiny Epic Mechs, No Man's Sky, Call of Cthulhu, the board game. Uh, sorry, the role-playing game, Elite Dangerous, Dungeons and Dragons, Hollow Knight. Uh, we have a review of the UK Games Expo, which some of our team went to. Um, we have some original fiction every um, every month, and uh, a bit of coverage of Dark Souls as well. Um, it's Tiny so- Epic Mechs. 
related at all to tiny, is it tiny epic spaceships or something like that? Yeah, it's, they the the company do a, a, have a series of games called Tiny Epic, whatever. Right. Um, and the idea is that they're quite mobile board games. They're, they're quite serious board games, but they pack up really small, and you can, you know, even take them around your mate's house or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's oh. it. And Don Antonacci's just come up, so I guess the, the question that Don Antonacci will be saying is, will you be sending them a copy of that like you do with Sagai? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we can. Uh, I'm sure we can um, send a... I, actually, the, the, the way that if, if Frontier would like a physical copy, we, um, we will offer a tier for patrons on Patreon um, for physical copies direct to your door. So, um, oh, Don I like what you're you, suggesting there. <laughs> if you would like a copy, then you're more than welcome to uh, to hop onto Patreon and, uh, and pledge. I, I do have a more important question to ask, Zach, though, and it's one from earlier. What is the C from Brett C? He's going now, so nothing can happen. I, I thought it was his last name, but I might be wrong. What, his last name is C? Well, no, his last name begins with C. Exactly. What is the lot? What is it? It's Brett. I think I know, but if I do know, I'm not going to say on air. And I might not know. So, uh, I might have missed it. So have you got a, a, a date for the first issue then of this? Uh... Yeah. Issue, issue one goes live on Friday. This coming Friday. We, we, we set the release date for issue one uh, back in June, I think. And, okay. um, and everyone was like, yeah, sure, that sounds, that sounds reassuringly distant. And then in the last month, everyone's been like, oh, uh, okay. Oh, it's happening quite soon then, isn't it? Oh, I'd better start doing some work then, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no, it's good. It's all good. Um, we, we've got issue one signed off. It's all ready to go. Um, we've, we've, already, we've already written all the articles for issue two. Um, and they're actually, they are nearly all signed off and with the design team. Um, a couple of them, we're still waiting on a couple of them. Um, we have some cracking interviews, really, really cracking interviews. Turns out members of the team have great connections all over the place. I have absolutely no connections at all. Um, and um, so we, we've had some really stonking interviewees from the spheres of science fiction and fantasy um, emerge from the woodwork in, in board games, books, video games, all sorts. Um so there will be at least one very exciting interview in every issue. Um, so the first one releases this coming Friday, and the and issue two will release on the 4th of, what's next month? October. Um, I think on the 4th of October, anyway. Um, so the Sagai used to release on, um, uh, on a Thursday mid-month, and Parallel Worlds will release on a Friday in the, in the first week of the month. Um, so yeah, issue two is coming on the 4th of October. And so, um, and we're even ideating what's going into issue three this week as well. So obviously, Sagai is moving seasonal due to content and things like that. Is this going to have any other? Is this going to have any effect on releases of Sagai and stuff? Or how how do you see the crossover for that? Um, it shouldn't have any effect. We the the art editor is separate on. Um, so what, what's happened behind the scenes is that the, um, our art editor at Sagai, um, the one who was with us from early 2018 until early this year, um, stepped down in January. And, the, and, the, and then a chap called McNichol stepped up in January this year and has been the art editor at Sagai ever since. Um, running, doing Sagai is, is 
basically like a second job, especially for the art editor. They, they have to do oversee all the design and all the art for every, hey, can I have a promo for Twitter? Can I have a backdrop for, um, can I have a, a, a banner? Where's the bloody album art? Yeah, can I have some album art? Can I have, um, <laughs> can I have a banner image for Patreon? You know, it, all of those requests land on their desk. So, so it is like a, a second job. Um, and he, um, and we'd already been talking about Parallel Worlds. Um, and he was like, right, I want to focus on that. So, uh, so he has stepped back from uh, from that role at Sagai, and he is now the um, the art editor at um, Parallel Worlds, overseeing the art and design teams there. And we have a different art editor um, at Sagai. So the guy who was um, who was uh, who was art editor until um, early this year has come back, um, and um, and he's going to be overseeing things. But the reason that we're not bringing out another um, issue of Sagai until December is because he is um, he can't commit to um, he can't contribute really until later this year. So he um, so the art editor who will be taking over at Sagai again is um, he's got other commitments that take him that that mean he won't be able to put another issue of Sagai together until um, November. So the next issue of Sagai will actually be in December. Um, the, this is um, we we won't. Uh, we won't change the release pattern of Parallel Worlds. If it's successful, we'll carry on monthly. Um, Sagai is um, the the fact that it's not just that there's less to write about in Elite. There, there is less to write about in Elite because um, because development slowed a bit. Um, it's also that after writing twenty thousand words a month for twenty four months, there is naturally going to be less to write about on any video game. Um, I, mean, I know. I think you were saying, like, for issue about a year ago, you were saying there was basically there was about a year, about six months worth of content backlogged, basically, yeah. in ideas. Yeah, we have Whereas... a, a pile of ideas, and we had we had six months worth of issues of ideas just sat there <laughs> waiting, waiting to go. We could, you know, nobody could have come up with a single new article concept, and we could have carried on making. Oh! magazine for six more months. Suv, I do believe Zach is complaining that we're not talking about fleet carriers at the moment. Zach, I know we're meant to be finishing seven minutes ago, but if you want to come on and tell us all about fleet carriers, I'm sure every single one of us will stay late. Yes, yes, Zach, we please tell us what we should be discussing about fleet Zach, carriers. <laughs> we want to know what we can do with them. We would like to know what we can do with fleet carriers. Do you want to come on and tell us? Open invitation there, Zach. I don't uh, put poor Zach on the spot. But we, 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 we would just like a hint or. <laughs> oh, spoil sports. <laughs> Zach, says Zach says it's all right. He's not going to okay, come. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll carry Fair on. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Whoever said Brett C. Arias. <laughs> Brett C. Arias, yep. <laughs> Um, sorry, but, Sue, you go on. No, no, no. That, that, that's it. I think we're 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 broadly done. So, um, so yeah, uh, Sagai. We don't know with the 2020 update. We have high hopes for um, all the extra life that it will inject into um, the galaxy. And we Sagai may possibly go back to a monthly release pattern then. Um, and it depends as much on having stuff to write about as it does having the team to write it. Um, and um, uh, if both of those are in place, then yes, absolutely, we will definitely go back to a monthly release pattern for Sagai. Uh, and in the meantime, um, the quarterly means that the, um, the magazine will be better than it's ever been because, the, as the art editor said to me the other day, the, um, the biggest limiter on quality has always been time pressure. 
um, whereas yeah. that's now lifted a lot. Um, so you can expect less frequent but higher quality. Um, um, am I right in thinking we're looking at getting a lot more, vid- well, some more videos out and things like that as well? Yeah, so vid- video is going brilliantly. Um, and um, uh, we've got um, the documentary series, uh, which has been going for four or five months now, and we're releasing two videos a month. Um, really high quality, sort of around 10 to 20 minutes long, um, in-depth looks on on various bits and bobs of um um, various mechanics or features um and um and they are uh they're recorded by our semi-pro um voice actor team and um what is it so have you just seen commander wotherspoon is suffering not having to record podcast, <laughs> podcast a week basically <laughs> yeah yeah we went from we went from trying to make an entire two-hour podcast every week to making none <laughs> and um yeah i, think, I don't know what to do with myself i'm actually getting to play games <laughs> Um, so, uh, so yeah, the, the, um, the documentary videos are, uh, are going strong and they're excellent. And we're also unveiling a new video series very soon, which I won't, uh, it's not my place to tease that. I'll let the video chat tease that. Um, but we have, um, something else that's, um, entirely in universe elite, uh, which is due to launch on our video channel very soon too. Um, so lots of exciting things happening there. Um, in generally, internally, in, in, we, Video is something that we would like to do a lot more with Sagai because we've only got something like 3,000 subscribers. And um, considering that the top streams have like most of 100,000, um, there's you know there's no reason that we can't do a lot more. So um, the video team are quite excited for for ramping up what they're doing rather than rather than um, taking their foot off the pedal. So lots to uh, lots to look forward to there. Um, what else have we got in the? Good night, Zach. Ah. Catch you later, Zach. Thanks for popping in. I think that's about it, isn't it? Uh, we do uh, Commander Plater, though. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. So yeah. the other community corner thing. Uh, Commander Plater is doing a 24-hour charity stream in aid of the British Thyroid Foundation. Um, Commander Plater sadly has terminal thyroid cancer. Um, on the 28th of September from um, midday, so um, quite a few content creators like Lave Radio, Hutton Orbital Radio, The Burr Pit, um, and many others will be there to support him. Um, you can find him at the link that we'll be dropping into the chat shortly, um, if somebody wants to do that for me. Um, and he says, uh, he says, hi, I wanted to reach out to everyone individually, as well as on the C3 Discord, which I'm not sure people check, as I'm doing another 24-hour charity stream on September the 28th midday this will be year number three and the previous two years they raised over twelve thousand pounds um in the last two years he's just done bounty hunting for 24 hours and he feels like that's a bit played out so this year he's doing challenge plater um so he would like to be joined by creators every two hours um to set him a challenge uh something that he needs to get or do or find um, and um, and he'll give more specific rules to to people who get involved. Uh, Live Radio will probably be involved, um, and I know that the other just mentioned. And we involved. want to be involved, but I know I've got real life happening that weekend. You've got real life happening that weekend. Yeah. Colin may make it, but Colin usually has some life. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> Shan, do you have any real life happening again? Any real life? What? Do you have real life? Just in general. Uh, I would like to think so. Do you have real life happening on the 28th of September? 
You're being put on the spot here, Shan, by the way, in case you hadn't realised. Cool. I so Shan will be doing the, uh, the 25. I would, need to, but I would need to ask Mrs. Shan, because I suspect she's got something booked for me on that day, and I would hate to commit to something here and be in the dark depths of despair that is upsetting Mrs. Shan. Indeed. Fair enough. Yeah, I really want to. I want. I really, really hope that one of us actually has no life that weekend. Yeah, I'm sure somebody will do. It. I mean, I'll. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll work something out. Um, he says awesome. he he wants to try to space everyone out as much as possible, um, so that all 24 what? hours. Literally, so <laughs> he wants to space everyone. Let's space everyone out. So we get little pats of green plants arrive. Oh, I, I just thought you meant to just meant just ejecting some everyone into the vacuum. No, I meant space out and space out, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, he uh, he says he'll he'll be spacing it out so that um, so that everybody will be um, doing it times the comfortable time zone. Um, he says it will likely be his final twenty-four hour stream as his health and his luck are unlikely to for another year. And if they do, it'll officially be a medical marvel. Um, he so, anyway. so September the twenty eighth, which is a Saturday, is when Commander Plater will be doing this stream. Um, so um, the the link that will have been popped in the notes should have um, should, you should be able to find his uh, his channel there. Um, if you if you're around that that weekend, then do tune in and 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 uh, join in the fun because it should be a laugh. There'll be um, he's I. I to think the sort of task that he'll be set. I think the burrs particularly have been fairly inventive in what they've been coming up with. Um, from a quick look at the uh, the Discord server earlier. Um, so, and that's it for Community Corner. Um, so unless anybody's got any other business, we probably ought to call it a night. Ben, Shan, anything from you guys? Have not at all and things like that, or should we do that as part of calling it a night? Sneaky see Discord. Yeah, well, I was going to do the normal stuff. I'm not meant to go after either of you. Have it. Our sisters, our sister station, Hudson Orbital Radio, broadcast Thursdays from twenty thirty, um, whatever time it is in the UK, and you can listen to them at tv.forthemug.com or just the radio at radio.forthemug.com. Oh, I like this. Okay, Shan, you do the CQC bit. God, he's useless. Okay, so there's a discerning <laughs> commander who likes a CQC action. Check out the CQC Discord at discord.me forward slash Elite Dangerous CQC. Thank you very much to those who have um, chipped in on the Twitch chat. And I'm sorry that we've had a, a straggly, undisciplined episode. Um, right, so that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you want to get in touch with the show, then you can email us at email at info at laveradio.com. You can hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash laveradio. We are on Twitter at at laveradio. And you can join our Discord server by going to discord.io slash laveradio. We also have a TeamSpeak server where commanders like to hang out and chat. And you can listen to that at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Please get in touch with us if you've got any questions or if there's anything you'd like to talk about to us to talk about in a future episode. Lave Radio is recorded live in front of a studio audience on Tuesday evenings at 20.30 um, UK time, whatever time that is. BST at the moment, I think. And is streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. Thank you very much to... Souverine. To Shan. To Colin. 
to was was um oh what's his name who shows up occasionally does a university degree Kurgle was he here for a while no no he's he just talked to us earlier he showed up to say he wouldn't be showing up today <laughs> <laughs> and of course thank you very much to our lovely monkey hiding behind the scenes Commander Ventura um so I do believe that's it. Any more for any more? Surely you finish off with... Uh... Ah, Colin! <laughs> Colin, Colin, Colin. You can, you, you can have the final word. So, oh. Until Thank next you. time, Commanders. Fly safe, and if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Night, Zach. <laughs> Third of September 3305. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, the winking cat throws up a masterpiece. Saps demand Valium. Void Opal prize offer for potential Pomesh usurper. The winking cat throws up a masterpiece. Notorious art thieves, the Winking Cat crew, turned into benefactors this week when they smuggled a long-lost artwork into the venue for this week's stage of the Alliance Festival of Culture. Garden City Gallery on Turner's World fell victim on 8th of June last year to the daring theft of Barclay Oaksor's adaptive youscape sculpture, which changed its appearance to match the mood of its observer. Since then, Iotiensis has lost the New Dawn collection, Mars has lost its New Year hollow sculpture, and pieces by Rembrandt, Picasso and Okeke. In each case, an image of a winking cat was left in place of the artwork. 
But now the winking cat has returned a piece that disappeared many decades ago to that same Garden City gallery that was the scene of their first crime. Pennant Street by Megan Madigan was lost in mysterious circumstances while being transported 60 years ago. And the lost painting was subject to a moving tribute in July this year in Lave. But now it has materialised, accompanied by a winking cat motif, inside the heavily guarded gallery. Experts have confirmed that this is indeed the original artwork. But there's no indication how the winking cat crew came by the painting, nor how they smuggled it into the gallery. The finale of the Alliance Festival of Culture takes place next week in Deso. Is it too much to hope that all the artwork stolen by the winking cat crew over the past year might be returned to that event, bringing an awful lot of off-camera events to a neat conclusion? Saps demand Valium. The Sapcor Legion, guardians of Hiker Ceremonial Tea, plan to build a hospital and they want your help. Hiker Tea was used, initially unwittingly, to cure the ravages of the Cerberus plague that spread widely in 3301 and again in 3302. Given to victims of the plague to relax them, Hiker Tea was found to have a remarkable restorative effect. And supplies of the brew eventually led to the plague being wiped out completely. The new hospital will be a centre for disease control and will also double as a medical facility for those injured in the war between Thargoids and humanity, which presumably means that at least some of the beds will be octagonal. Professor Macklin Fox, who speaks on behalf of the SAPCOR Legion, has appealed for supplies of advanced medicines, medical diagnostic equipment and thallium. Void Opal Prize Offer for Potential Pomesh Usurper The unusually named buckyball racer, Turk Winif, has offered a prize of up to 3 billion credits for any commander that can beat his time on the Pomesh Ridge Challenge SRV time trial. For the blue, red and black runs, Commander Turk Winif has recorded times of 4 minutes 9 seconds... 7 minutes 16 seconds and 9 minutes 11 seconds. By way of comparison, Commander Aid Levice achieved times on these runs of 21 minutes and 14 seconds, 41 minutes and 41 seconds, and 1 hour 8 minutes and 45 seconds, which earned him a thank you for trying so hard, Rosette. If someone can hand in video evidence that they've beaten all three of Turk Winif's times, then they will receive 1,800 Void Opals, as well as a modest number of Arcs, as their prize. So if you win, don't forget to bring your cargo limpets. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. Nee, nee.